Well, welcome back to Worldview Matters. This is Ross and my cohort, Bob. We're glad to be with you. There are a lot of things going on in this world today. Our show, Worldview Matters, really does matter. And all you have to do is to read the headlines of the newspaper, watch TV, talk to your friends, and you'll see that the way people look at this world and the lens through which they look at this world really does matter in terms of how they act in every situation. Bob, good to be with you, my friend. It's always good to be with you, Ross. I understand you're a little bit under the weather today. You've, I had the flu back uh, right around the holidays. Sounds like you may have picked up a bug yourself. Had it and kind of been up and down for the last couple of weeks, but I'm going <clears> to <throat> suck it up and go, <laughs> ready to roll. You're going to soldier on, huh? That's great. Absolutely. Well, you're exactly right. I, I think maybe we are at a place in our program where we can maybe hit a pause point and catch up some of the listeners who may have joined us later on. I hope that uh, people are telling their friends about, about this program because we really do believe that Worldview Matters. We're grateful to Big Brains Media and James Spann and all the other good folks there in that organization. But, Ross, we've been talking about worldviews now specifically worldviews that have influenced Western culture. That is, the culture that's, that's uh, uh, an extension of European culture through the British Empire to the United States and, of course, all the places really now where the, uh, where the developed nations of the world are. How, how worldview, how ideas have shaped our culture and been shaped by our culture. Well, there's so many influences on the culture, and obviously as religious viewpoints have uh, transferred themselves across these continents, uh, uh, they have had major impacts on the way that people lived during those days. You know, if you look at today, we're, we're taping on a day uh, which is only a few days after the massive bombing in, in Boston, and I've traveled Boston for years. And as a matter of fact, the place where that occurred is a place where, because I've stayed at a couple of those hotels around there, I've gotten out of taxis many times. I've walked by there many times. So it, it really does have an effect when you've been in that spot. But we see today uh, uh, the effect of how people look at this world. We can, we can go back and look at the transitions that have taken place over years over the continents, but we're faced with that today. Maybe maybe you could take a second or two, Bob, and give our listeners a view of what you think this means in terms of uh, the, the occurrences of today. Are they well, isolated? Are they? Well, you're exactly right in saying that worldviews not only shape broad cultural perspectives, but they also influence individuals. The, the, uh, the perpetrators of the bombing at the Boston Marathon have, have a belief system that uh, directly had an impact on them perpetrating that. We, we believe it's a heinous deed. We look at innocent people who were killed from that, and we all look at each other and go, those people must be insane. And from our perspective, that looks like insanity. But we need to remember that there's something about their worldview that shaped that specific act. Because worldview, as you said a minute ago, Ross, is the lens. It's the, it's the picture, uh, the, the window that we look at the world through. And we all have a worldview. 
a worldview basically is what we believe is true, what we believe is accurate, and these beliefs dictate how we live, how we move, and, have, and how we have our being, as the philosopher said. These beliefs are based on what we think is really true and accurate about the world. They're the, the beliefs that allow us to, for example, get on the elevator at the 90th floor and push the down button and not be afraid that we're going to plummet to the basement because we believe in the laws of physics and inertia and velocity. In this case, we also believe that someone has maintained the elevator. And so we may not understand all the mathematics that govern that action, but our worldview allows us to go about and operate in our world every day, not even thinking about these things many times, because we know certain things to be true, and we act on those things as if they are true. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> if, if you look at where we are in our culture today, think of, think of political correctness Think of uh, the tolerance. Those words come up a great deal. Think of the desire that, that governments have for us to, to not look at people and determine what they are like based on how they look or what they say, not profiling people. So profiling tolerance. Um, these things have permeated our society. So you, t you take a look at these things that are happening today. I, I know that before they sort of found who these two people were, uh, you, we were thinking, I was thinking, oh, I hope it is not some conservative religious zealot who has gone nuts. Um, but if you look at the major things that have happened in this world over the past 10 years, such as this, it all comes back to those who have held the Islamic or the Islamic jihadist worldview. Um, now that's that is a, that's an area you when you you tread lightly when you say that because of where we are in this country, but it's hard to get around that fact. Well, it certainly is, and as uh, some of our earlier shows, we talked about that in some of our earlier shows that. That Islamic fundamentalism does indeed have a worldview, and that worldview sets up the thinking that causes these particular actions to take place. But not just these actions, every action. Every action on the world today is caused by a worldview. It's based on what people know, or at least they think that they know. But Ross, one of the things I think I'd like to talk with us about in our program today is this, that just because we know something or think we know something doesn't mean that that knowledge, I put knowledge sort of in brackets, if you will, that that knowledge is always correct. Sometimes knowledge can be elusive or even deceptive. All of us have been fooled. There's not a person in the world that hasn't been fooled by something that we thought was true or knowledgeable. We only come to find out later that it wasn't true. Now, that can be sometimes amusing. Uh, you and I talked a few shows back about how illusionists make their living by fooling people. And we're amused by that when they make the Statue of Liberty disappear or, you know, a Abrams tank disappear. But sometimes it's not amusing. 
anybody who's ever been fooled by a Ponzi scheme uh, isn't laughing about that. So knowing something or thinking that we know something can be very dicey if later we find out, boy, that wasn't true. And this gets back into one of the the subsets of philosophy, Ross. It's the study of epistemology. How can we know things? And there are some facts that we think that we can know fairly empirically. Uh, that's what the realm of science is all about. We talked about the getting on an elevator. You know, the laws of physics govern the up and downward motion of, a, of an elevator. But there are some questions that science can't answer, or at least not it can't answer it, it empirically. And this gets into the area of philosophy and religion. Well, they have. Uh, you talk about change in worldview or change how you look at that worldview differently based on certain things that happen. How do you see that playing into our culture today with re as it relates to all the things that we're seeing happen and the fear that people have? I haven't talked to anyone today who hasn't said, I'm afraid to go to a movie. I'm afraid to go to here. I'm afraid to go there. Where, where do you think you can go when you're safe? Uh, at first you say, if, okay, I was not at the top of the trade center. I was not in the, the ship, the coal. Uh, now, okay, I wasn't out at the Boston Marathon, but what if they come into the, to the city where we are at the local little square and all of a sudden something happens there? It seems like that these worldviews, this worldview that we're so uh, fearful of at this point is going to have a major effect on the psyche of America, maybe the whole world. Well, it certainly does, and it's not the first time that that's happened, and it may not be the last. The particular worldviews that we're talking about that are in collision with each other are the, the worldview of, you know, Western uh, relativism, uh, even, even theism versus uh, fundamental Islam. Those worldviews don't exactly line up with each other. And, and, and you get people living out the, the core beliefs that are part of those worldviews, world especially Islamic fundamentalists, and they have no qualms at all about strapping a bomb to themselves and, and blowing themselves up for their particular cause. But, you know, Ross, you and I are both students of World War II. You've been writing a book about World War II right now. We both know that it wasn't that long ago, 70 years ago, when fascism in Nazi Germany was a worldview that set the world on fire. Uh, millions of people were killed by Adolf Hitler and the Nazis and the fascist regimes, regimes of, of Germany and Italy. So this is a, those are worldviews. Yeah, and I guess the further you brought out of World War II, the further you get away from something like that, and the fewer people there are around who remember that, and then those that are here and remember that are <clears throat> have assimilated into changing society, and and it's not as intense as it was at that time. It's it's forgotten. It's forgotten in a culture, and I think that the effects of World War II, to a large degree, is forgotten in our own culture. We don't we don't see the effects. We don't um, we don't think that the same thing can happen today. Now, this is not a program where we want to spend a lot of time talking about. Um, uh, legal matters and laws and what have you, but 
there's a great deal of confusion over the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting and hunting rifles and what have you. It has everything to do with protection against an onerous government. And you don't hear that in the uh, in the dialogue about that particular issue today. So I agree with you. We get so far away and we lose sight of how these things can affect our culture. And that's why, Ross, you and I are both so passionate about this program and about the ideology behind this program because ideologies matter. Worldviews matter. The way people think about themselves and the world around them, that matters whether it's whether or not you're allowed to keep guns uh, in your home or whether or not you're allowed to strap a bomb to yourself and blow up people at the Boston Marathon. Those those events are driven by ideas. And some of the ideas of our culture are beyond the realm of science. Uh, the answers to the questions that people raise, we can't go to a science lab and, and have those answers readily available to us. Uh, what happens after we die? Does God really exist? And if so, what's he like? Those are the questions that, that worldview uh, seeks to answer, and everybody has an answer for those things based on their worldview. If you're new to this program, a lot of the things that Roth and I talk about have to do with the, these kind of questions. They're the questions that, that are related to how we look at the world. In fact, there are eight of them, Roth, that we keep talking about. Let me review those for our listeners real quick. The first question that we, we grapple with uh, in our worldview show is, what is prime reality? What is really real? What is truly true? The second question is, what's the nature of the world around us? Is it just uh, an illusion or is it real? Uh, the third question is, what does it mean to be human? Are, uh, are we just products of evolution and chance? Or have we been created by a supreme being? The fourth question is, what happens when we die? Do we cease to exist? Do we go to a better place? Do we recycle and come back around again? The fifth question is, how do we know anything? That gets back to that question we talked about earlier about epistemology. How do we know things? Is it, is it just scientific knowing, or is there knowing that can be done outside the realms of science? The sixth question is, what's right and wrong? Everybody seems to have a sense that there is a sense of right and wrong. Every one of us have heard ourselves saying, what, that's not fair. Well, that, the fact that we say that's not fair means that we have some kind of an innate sense that there are right things and there are wrong things. But how do we know right and wrong and what is right and wrong? The seventh question is, what is the meaning of history? We, you talked about World War II a minute ago. Is there anything we can learn from history or is it just all absurdity? And the, the eighth question is, what core life commitments are consistent with the particular worldview that we hold? And we've talked about that a lot. Uh, it's not inconsistent, Ross, for Islamic fundamentalists to blow themselves up. We may not agree with them, but it's not inconsistent with their worldview when they do that. Uh, no, that's interesting because we have heard all the way through over the well since 9/11 especially that the worldview of these people was that if they did this it was in the name of Allah and there would be uh, tremendous things waiting for them one of which was 
21 virgins waiting for each of them as they went into to heaven. And uh, so that's their worldview. It's consistent with what they believe. Now, I've heard since that they've had a hard time continuing to make people believe that, but they have had these people who strapped the bombs on to come to the belief that the bomb shoots outward, it doesn't shoot inward. And therefore, some of these young people who've had bombs strapped on them have gone into it thinking they wouldn't blow up because the bomb shoots out instead of shooting in. You so, know, but, 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 one, but the one thing that we have to say related to this program is that that worldview, that worldview offers a paradise martyr's hero wealth for these people who blow themselves up. And some of the people who've done that evidently believed that. It was a consistent core life commitment, a commitment they were willing to basically give their lives for. And But the other worldviews that we've talked about on this program also have core life commitments attached to them. The problem is, is that sometimes people say they believe one thing, but they really don't believe it. You and I are both Christian theists. We've made, been unapologetic about that. As Christian theists, we believe that to die for Christ is gain. It doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be martyrs, or at least not active martyrs, but it does mean that we believe that if we give up our lives for him and for the people that he died for, that will have incredible merit in the next life for us as well. How that's lived out is a little differently, but you know, th- there are many Christian theists today that won't take the garbage out for their spouse, much less lay their lives down for someone else. And so we have to ask the question, that eighth question, what core life commitment is consistent or commitments is consistent with this particular worldview? I know that if I didn't take the garbage out, I'd get shot. There's a worldview in my house. I guarantee you that. <laughs> I, I hear that. In fact, speaking of that, just a, a little personal aside, uh, one of the things that, that I'm hoping that, that we'll be able to do at our house is take our 40th anniversary trip sometime coming up this next year. It's, it's hard to believe she's lived with me for 40 years, isn't it, Ross? Listen, I know both of you, and I agree with you on that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, my wife comes from Italian heritage, and uh, one of the things that she hopes we're going to be able to do as part of our 40th anniversary is take a trip back to Rome. And, and I hope we can. But frankly, at this point in my economic situation, I don't think I can afford Rome, Georgia, much less Rome, Italy. <laughs> well, I have, have been to Rome. It is, of, of all the places in Europe, it is one of the neatest places to go. You, When you walk down, I know we're diverting ourselves from the topic today, but it's so interesting to walk down the streets and know that it was two, 3,000 years ago that people walked down those streets, go through the Forum, go through the Colosseum, and it's, uh, there's, there's something that you just can't get in a country that's 250 years old versus one that's, you know, thousands of years old. Well, you're exactly right, and you know, that's really not that much of an off-point statement because, as we have often talked about in the past on this program, Western culture has been significantly influenced by the classical world, by Rome and by Greece, 
In fact, interestingly enough, since I may not be able to take an actual trip to Rome, I've been going online and looking at some of the artwork that hangs in the in the Vatican. As you know, I I did uh, part of my studies in college was in art history, and I've just been thrilled as I've been looking at some of the works by Raphael, for example. Uh, I love Raphael's stuff, I think, is it's so vibrant, the colors coming out of Raphael's work. As a matter of fact, when I went into the Sistine Chapel, I looked at the Sistine Chapel, but right before you go into that area, you go into an area where there are a number of Raphael paintings hanging. And I thought to myself, I love these. They, they, these seem, things seem to do as much for me, if not more, than the uh, than the 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 ones on the the, the Lynettes and what have you in the Sistine Chapel. But, oh, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, uh, uh, in in the, in the Pinacoteca, which is probably what you're talking about, there are some tapestries by Raphael that hang there that are absolutely stunning. There's there's also a fresco that hangs in the Apostolic Palace that I'd really like to talk about with you today because I think hmm. I think that may really get us back onto this topic of worldview because uh, in, in the fresco there hanging in the in the Apostolic Palace, uh, there's there's a there's a a picture of these two great philosophers. I, I'm talking now about about those of you who are fans of Raphael. And by the way, for the record especially those who may be fans of some of our football programs. We're talking about Raphael, the artist, not Raphael, <laughs> the Ninja Turtle. But <laughs> in, in the school, uh, uh, in, there in the, in the Vatican Palace, there's a Raphael uh, fresco called the School of Athens. You, you, you probably saw it, Ross, when you were there. It's the embodiment of the high Renaissance. And the setting is a classical marketplace, supposedly in the city of Athens, and there are these two central figures. There's a there's a, a man on the right who is motioning downward with his hand, and uh, that's Aristotle. Aristotle lived from 384 to 322 BC, and then there's a figure on the right, and that's Plato, and Plato is gesturing upward with his right hand. Now, Plato lived from 428 to 348 BC. These guys lived centuries before Christ. But both of these figures are really talking about worldviews. You know, hard though, hard though it may be for you to believe this, I do know the painting. I do remember it. It is one of the most beautiful paintings that I have ever seen, and certainly one of his finest. So I'm sitting here looking at it in my mind, and it is, as I recall, right outside the Sistine Chapel, if I'm not mistaken. It's phenomenal, and I would, uh, I would encourage our listeners to go online. You can see it online uh, and, and call up that fresco by Raphael that's in the Vatican. But if you look at it, you realize that Raphael is doing more than just painting a beautiful setting. He's actually depicting two worldviews the worldview of Aristotle, and the worldview of Plato and Ross, those worldviews are the same worldviews that we've been talking about on this program for the last several months. Aristotle is pointing downward or motioning downward, uh, reminding his disciples that the particulars are all that matters. 
basically it's it's the world is just filled with particles it's just stuff if you can't see it if you can't touch it if you can't taste it it's not really real that's what aristotle taught and in the ancient world the people who believed that they had a worldview it's called the epicurean worldview basically they said look if the world is just stuff and after we die we cease to exist then we can eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we're going to die anyway. Uh, every beer commercial I've ever seen, Ross, has an Epicurean worldview attached to it. Right. You know, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, whether it's grab all the gusto you can or here we go. That's mm-hmm. a worldview. It's a worldview. And it's, it's the worldview that we see working in American culture. It's the worldview of naturalism, of materialism of the particulars, of the particles. Aristotle taught that 30, 2,500 years ago. Isn't that amazing? Yep. But on the other side, on the left side of, of Raphael's fresco, you see Plato. And Plato has his finger pointing upward. And the idea there is that, hey, there's something that we can't see. He's referring to the forms that are in the spiritual realm. There's something that we can't see that's very, very real. In fact, Plato taught the invisible, the spiritual, is more real than the physical, visible world that we can see. In the ancient world, those who followed Plato became known as the Gnostics or the Stoics. Most of the Eastern philosophy, certainly New Age monism, a lot of that can trace its roots Ross, right back to Plato. And so you've got all the way back, you know, 2,500 years ago, we see art imitating life. And uh, life, in our case, imitates art also because these two worldviews, Aristotelian world and the Platonic world, are depicted there. And the worldviews of our American culture, they're also reflected in those same worldviews, even though it's 2,500 years ago that that painting was made. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, where does that bring us today? I know we're about at the end of our time today, but we're going to we're going to talk about this next week again, because we've really just touched the surface on uh, really a review of worldview. And let me I tell you what, let me do. Let me take as a summary of this particular session. Let me go back to the eight questions that need to be answered. And many times those eight can be taken down to three or four and for, for very, a very simplistic base. People want to know, everyone really wants to know, where did I come from? Where am I going when I die? Is there a purpose for my life? And by what rules should I live my life? Very simple. Now, all of those are embodied in the eight questions that Bob talked about earlier. The eight questions are a little more elaborate, a little more thinking, but the four basic things are, where did I come from? Where am I going when I die? Is there a purpose for my life and what is it? And by what set of rules should I live my life every day? And those are the basis for a worldview. Again, Bob said earlier, we are unapologetic in our theistic worldview. And the, the Christian theistic worldview. 
And uh, so the, the things that we look at, the way we look at all of these different worldviews and are through the lens of a Christian. And um, we hope you'll come back and, and be with us. We, this time has gone fast. We, we got a little bit far afield and that was my fault. We talked about some current events, but we'll come back and pick up where we are, where we leave it right now and come back and talk about this further, talk about worldview and how it does affect our, our thinking, culture the the entire world but special thanks to all the folks at um, big brains media jp and james we have a ton of great shows and adding more every day go to bigbrainsmedia.com and you can see the many shows listed there you can link to them and listen to them at that point they're available on itunes so we're just we're grateful to have a chance to come and visit with you love to hear from you Hope you enjoy it and come back. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Ross. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com